What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have Regine Gilbert. And, you know, interesting though, I, I don't know if it's the French from being in Canada, but I always want to pronounce it as Regine. <laughs> yes. And as I'll be honest, that is my real name, Regine. Oh, really? Truly. Um, funny story. My dad uh, was in the military. He went to Paris. He partied uh, and he went to this club. Regines, Regines, um, who uh, she's like the queen of disco. And when I was born, he named me Regine. He put the, 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 the accent over the last D instead of the first. Okay. And uh, so I have never used it except when I got on Twitter, I was like, I'm going to be Regine on Twitter. Uh-huh. Right? But I don't use it, but I, I have started to add it to like, it's on my website now, it's on my LinkedIn, and I really need to just start, you know, people can call me Regine or they can call me Regine. Got you. Yeah, um, I kind of have, so my first name is actually Veer and spelled V-E-R-E, but like in Bermuda, they pronounce it Veer and everywhere else, they're like, how do you, is that Veer, is that where, so I'm just like, yeah pronounce it however you want and I don't even know what the origin of, <laughs> of the name is but, but it's it's interesting when you have those kind of names like that depending on who you talk to like they get pronounced different ways yeah um, so um Regine uh what is it that you actually do okay so Currently, my job title is uh, industry assistant professor. I'm working at New York University, and I teach user experience design as well as assistive technology courses. I'm also, um, in the fall of 2021, I'll be teaching a, uh, a class on voice user interface, uh, VUI. Uh, so uh, think of Alexa, Siri, uh, Google Home. And I... I am a designer uh, at heart. I, I've more recently been designing curriculum um, <laughs> more than anything else, but I am working on a pretty cool project with uh, some folks uh, with Arisa Labs. Arisa Labs received a, a grant through NASA to make Eclipse um, accessible uh, for the blind and low vision community. And cool. so I'm my students and I have been doing research and um, working to figure out what's going to be uh, good designs uh, by working with um, the blind and low vision community as well. Wow. So, yeah, actually we'll talk about that a little bit later, but accessibility and stuff like that is a real big part of what you, you seem to do, but where are you currently based right now? You're in your, are you in physically in New York or do you? So, yeah, I am in Brooklyn. I'm in Brooklyn, uh, New York. I'm actually right now sitting in my office. Um, okay. Uh, so I teach at the Tandon School of Engineering and the School of Engineering is in Brooklyn. Okay. So how has that impacted, like your teaching actually been impacted by the pandemic? Do you teach online or is it in person in New York? Well, 
in, uh, upcoming, it'll be in person. Um, okay. But I, you know, spent the last three semesters teaching remote. Um, it's been, you know, we were in the spring of 2020, we were on campus mm -hmm. and, you know, all of February, you know, part of January, February. And then in March, right, right around spring, right before spring break, things really just kind of started happening. And yeah, we switched online, which was, um, Strange in that one of my classes was already online mm -hmm. uh, in the spring of 2020, and then another of them wasn't. Um, my UX course was online, and okay. my assistive technology course, which I co-teach with uh, Gus Chalkius, uh, was remote. And Gus is blind. And okay. we were really concerned about Zoom and how accessible Zoom was and all of that. But we we actually ended up doing okay uh, with with teaching our assistive technology class via Zoom. Um, and so, yeah, it's been quite the year, you know, whatever, how many ever, how, what are we, 15, 16 infinity months into this yeah. pandemic? And a, a lot has changed. I mean, students were really you know, it was really hard. It was so hard for people who, a lot of people had to leave their dorms. They had to leave New York. Um, it was challenging for sure, for sure. Um, but I know that we're resilient. I also know we're all traumatized from yeah. this. And so just being aware that there, there's just so many levels of trauma associated with what what we have been through and what we continue to go through because the pandemic is nowhere near over. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. Um, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> it, it's funny because like a lot of podcasts I listen to, particularly for people based in the States, they kind of act like it is over. I think that it's over. Like no, we've taken I mean, a real conservative stance here in Canada, pretty much. Well, not in all of Canada, but Nova Scotia anyway. Yeah, I, I live in New York. We were extremely impacted by uh, COVID. People I know and love passed away from uh, COVID. And so, and I had it. And oh, it was really? Terrible. Yeah. So, um, and it took me months to feel like normal and <laughs> I don't even wow. know they're whatever this new normal is um so I I think that I think for some people it is over right I mean that's the truth but if you have if it hasn't impacted you directly and this is also oftentimes the the, the issue with anything um mm -hmm. racism sexism ageism any sort of ism yeah. Uh, doesn't really apply to you, right? If if you haven't experienced it or if you don't know somebody who you care about has experienced it. And that's just, that's part of our human condition. I mean, when people throw out the numbers of how many people have passed, people can't comprehend it. And so, you know, part of, you know, my backstory I haven't really gone into, but I, I studied human behavior um, uh. for my undergraduate degree. So I'm always fascinated by, what people are doing, how people are doing it, and really, like, why are people doing it? 
I mean, I think oftentimes we don't get to the root cause. It's one of the things that I start my UX classes with is my students always start with a problem. Before you design anything, mm-hmm. you're going to need to find out what the problem is and not only what the problem is, but why. Right. And I have them do the the exercise of, of asking why five times, bringing out that inner two-year-old of why, 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 because that first why is going to give you something surface. You got to keep digging to the root cause. Sometimes root cause is something silly. You know, mm-hmm. like when we think about some of these laws that exist and and just like, what is this thing? I was made so somebody else could feel better about themselves. Right. You know? Wow. I, I actually studied some user experience myself and I found that there are a lot of people with like psych related professions in that industry too what have you actually learned about human uh, motivations from you kind of observing this stuff in the pandemic have you kind of figured out why people are behaving the way they're behaving well yeah again if if it doesn't impact them directly they don't they don't care and and also who who someone surrounds themselves with um is very interesting too. Like I, you know, I have friends whose parents don't believe that coronavirus is real. Mm-hmm. Um, who don't believe in vaccines, even mm-hmm. though they they received them in their mm-hmm. lifetime. Um, you know, and and part of what's you know, one of my friends sent me a a, a podcast about a person who studied. Um, why why people didn't care about the the Rwandan genocide mm-hmm. and you know he discovered that it, it has to impact somebody personally right and and i've i've found that with accessibility is people don't care about it until they do um people don't care about you know let's say um any sort of accessibility unless like they broke their leg and they're like, Oh, I broke my leg. And then I had the hardest time getting around town and it just really changed my perspective. Right. Um, right before the pandemic, I hurt my knee and I was, I was walking around New York city with a cane. It was, it was, it was a challenge and it made me realize how uneven sidewalks were. That wasn't something I noticed before. Yeah. Um, People were very inconsiderate. <laughs> um, people did not give up their seats. You know, it was it was it was uh, on the subway. Very interesting. And one of the things that I've done in the last few years to have people think about uh, accessibility for themselves is is to design for your future self. Like, what is life like for you as you get older? Are you wearing glasses now? How's your hearing? Like, how you sit all day all day long? How's your back doing? Are you working out on a regular basis? Are you taking care of your health, right? If you're not, do you think that you're going to just start when you're 50? I mean, not who, who does that? Right. So um, that, that's been kind of helpful, um, but it's still, we, you know, as, as much as um, you'll hear a lot of the word empathy in, in, in design, um, but empathy is a skill like anything else, right? It's not something that you just wake up with you have to you have to maintain it and and yeah. that and the way to maintain that is by understanding yourself mm-hmm. 
and then getting to understand the world. And so one of the things that I encourage with my students and, and the way that I start my class is for students to understand who they are by looking at their own bias. Mm. Right. The start, right? Yeah. Who are you? Where do you come from? What do you believe? Why do you believe it? Because that informs the way that you see the world. And, and if you understand where you come from and your beliefs, and I'm not trying to go deep or anything, but when you understand that, I do feel you're better able to understand others. I yeah. think that there, there tends to be a lot of othering mm -hmm. without considering yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And so having re understanding yourself, understanding your bias, because we all have it. Bias is not necessarily a bad thing. We all have it because we, we grew up in a certain way. But when you're when you're making something for someone else, you you need to understand you're not them and they're not you, right? So that's a big part, especially of, of user experience design. So yeah, that something you you mentioned before and stuff that I saw from you is um, designing for the uncommon uses first. Is that sort of what that is about? I think a lot of times when we design or we make things, we think about ourselves. Yeah. So what is something, what is an experience like if I can't see it? Mm-hmm. Right? If there is, let's say, some art or, you know, right now I'm sitting here on Zoom and back of me are sunflowers and a fountain mm -hmm. and trees and lots of greenery. Right. And to be able to describe that. Right. What is that like? What is that scene like? Is it a warm day? Is it a cold day? Is it a you know, there are ways that we could give description to things that are not visual. Mm -hmm. Right. Or could a, a, a painting be made in a tactile way so that someone can feel it? Mm -hmm. They could feel what the flower is like. Right. Mm -hmm. They could feel the arc of the fountain. Right. And we could we could if we really, you know, thought about it more, we could really make things for our senses versus you have to hear this and you have to see this and you have to touch this. And like there's more to us than that. Yeah, we are definitely more than our five senses. Yeah. I mean, our sense of time for 2020 just went out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Right? When I talk about it, I'm like, you know, last year when we were hanging out, and when I refer to last year, I mean 2019. 2019, exactly. I've done that right? many times. <laughs> so I said our sense of time is, you know, again, a sense. Yeah. So there's 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 lots of senses. Right. So what kind of kid were you? Your mind works on a very deep level. What what kind of kid were you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so both both my parents are, are deceased. I, uh, I was actually just telling a story about my dad uh, a little while ago. But my dad told me that I was uh, very independent, mm -hmm. that I really like to just do things on my own. I was, uh, I like to read a lot. Um, I like to read a lot of psychology books. I had a bit of a like troubled uh, childhood in that my um, my mom was not well. Uh, she had cognitive um, issues and mental issues. And so 
Uh, it was just a lot to digest for a, a child. So I think I was trying to understand my my way in the world. Uh, I loved to ride my bike and play with my friends. I was very into video games, like very, like not in a good way. What did you <laughs> like play? I would play. I played Nintendo, you know, um, and one my like good friend across the street had a Sega Genesis. And oh, like, yes. So I did a lot of Mario Brothers, Zelda. Um, yeah, I don't even remember all of them, but I remember playing until my thumb got swollen. Because those <laughs> Nintendo controllers. Oh, they were, were hard. <laughs> they were hardcore. They were not ergonomic or whatever. whatever not at all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I played a lot of video games. I... Um, I, I have three older brothers who um, were the youngest one is like we're nine years, nine years apart and uh, 19 years apart. So I was like the surprise baby. Uh. <laughs> um, and I, I so I spent a lot of time by myself, too. I would I would I like to mix um, things like I thought I could be a chemist and mm. like. I got like I used to get chemistry sets and I would mix perfumes and like make my own perfume. And mm -hmm. um, I, one of the things that I did a lot was I would sit in front of my mirror and read like a shampoo bottle or read whatever I could. And I pretended I was on entertainment tonight. And so people will tell me like, oh, you're such a good speaker. You're and I was like, but I literally practice my whole childhood. I prepared myself <laughs> for my, you know, my public speaking. And, um, yeah, I, I, I remember doing my first public speaking in like fifth grade, my, uh, fifth grade teacher said, you're going to, I was the only black kid in the, in the class. And she was like, so you're going to speak for black history month. And I was like, but I don't, my, I don't know. What, she's like, just go to the library and find somebody. <laughs> so, uh -huh. I spoke about uh, Shirley Chisholm, uh, which who was the, the first black woman to run for president. Uh huh. Good choice. Uh, uh, at least you didn't you didn't go for like the the Martin Luther King, like the obvious. You, you went no, somewhere else. No, I was like, I want to choose a woman. <laughs> I yes. think the librarian probably helped me too. I don't really remember, but mm -hmm. that was my first. Uh, time speaking and I just remember not looking up I remember looking down and reading my paper and you know yeah again people will be like you're a natural it's like I'm not I'm always nervous I always sweat which is why I always wear black same and I you know I think one of the things that I've learned throughout life is to do it scared ah uh, interesting do it scared so is that like to say if it makes you nervous or uncomfortable, it's kind of, it, it's a good thing in a way. Yeah. 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 I, I don't, I don't, I don't even know when I really feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Like I can really... I'm, I, I'm talking to you. I'm like, good thing I'm wearing black. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like that too. I, I just got into the habit in the last few years. I, I realized I couldn't stop the sweating and I'm nervous all the time too. So I just started wearing all black tees and that's yeah. why I, most of my t-shirt designs end up being black. It's just, it's my aesthetic at this point. Yeah. 
Yeah, when I see people wearing like a light gray, I'm like, you are jealous, so right? Lucky, I could never. Yeah, I know. Uh, Same. No, I I need the color. I mean, somebody needs to come out with an like an anti sweat line yeah. of color, but not like it doesn't always have to be black. Right. I know that's the colors. thing. Yeah, just something that masks it. I, I I always like yeah. I'm amazed at people who are able to even wear stuff without an undershirt and just be like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one thing, um, going back to your your dad, something you said about him is he died with paintings inside of him, and um, that I. You said did I that tell you... this story fully here, or did I tell this to you before? You didn't tell me. Uh, oh, I was just okay. me, me doing some research. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, I, I, that was something else that I really loved. You, but your response to it was that, like, if there's something you want to do, you just decide you're going to do it. I, I, and I relate to that on a m- multiple levels. My dad wasn't the painting thing, but uh, he used to always talk about when I retire, I'm going to do this. I'm going to. I'm going to be able to do whatever I want to do. And then he died before he retired. So, oh, I'm so it's, sorry. you know, it's one of those things. So what do you, um, what do you mean by like, I just want to do, I'll do something or. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, so I think about um, the first time that I decided to publicly speak about design Mm-hmm. was I was at a, a UX camp. Um, is it UX camp? I'm trying to think of the name. I think it is UX camp. It's it's a it's a conference held in DC every year. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go to this. Some people, you know, it wasn't like my best friend lives in Baltimore. I was like, oh, I'll just stay, mm-hmm. stay with him. And so I went to this conference and the way that it's an unconference, so anybody can speak. Mm-hmm. And I thought of my dad because the story is that uh, my dad was in the hospital sick mm-hmm. and um, he had a major surgery. And I asked him, is there anything you've wanted to do um, that you haven't done with your life? And he said, I always wanted to paint. And so mm-hmm. I said, okay. So I went to Marshall's at, or Ross or I don't know, one of those discount stores. And I I found one of those paint books that has like the watercolor paints on the side. So it's like all in one. And about eight months after that, my dad passed and I was cleaning out the house and I found the book. And when I went to open the book, I was excited. Mm-hmm. And I opened the book and it was blank. Yeah. And that forever changed like my my perspective on you have to do like if you want to do something, you need to do it. So back to this this um, conference, they said anybody could speak and something inside me said, I'm going to speak. And then I said, well, what am I going to speak about? And I turned to the woman next to me who I didn't know. And I said, I want to speak, but I don't know what I want to speak about. I'm working in e-commerce. I want to do this. And she's like, oh, I can help you. I'm a copywriter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So she literally within five minutes helped me write up a little synopsis of what the talk would be. I had no idea. 
And uh, the person took the piece of paper from me that I wrote on and said, oh, this looks good. Do you want a big room, a small room, or a medium room? And I said, I want the small room. I want the small room. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Right. So I got the small room, which had about 25 people in it, and I, I facilitated a conversation. And that was my first time speaking, and it was, I was inspired by my dad. Wow. Wow. Cool. That's, that's, um, that's powerful. Yeah. So, um, you went to Parsons, a fashion school. That's pretty, pretty, pretty well known. And, uh, well, I've, that's the I've, school in the world. Yeah. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. <laughs> uh, Project Runway. And this is kind of the first thing that pops into my head now. Does that annoy you a little bit that Project Runway comes up? No. I mean, Project Runway has been on for a long time. I, I haven't watched it in years. Um, but I, so I applied to Parsons because of an ex. Um, uh, my ex's sister had gone to Parsons and had a real interesting story about how she wanted to pursue fashion. And uh, her dad was like, you're going to come home. I'm not going to support you anymore. So she moved back home and ended up being, I don't know what, but always wanted to, again, one of those things where she wanted to be in fashion. Uh, the circumstances of her life said no, but she did not, she never went back to New York. And so I, I started looking into Parsons after uh, this person I broke up and I was like, hmm, I think I'm gonna apply. And I applied for the, their associates program, which is like, a, it's a two year program, but it's pretty intense. Um, mm -hmm you know, it's eight classes. It's not four classes. It's like super, super intense, uh, two year program. So I applied and I got in. I didn't know how competitive it was. Like I had no idea until I went to orientation and I met a person who was like, this was my sixth try getting Ooh. in to the school. And I was like, six, you, you, you applied six times. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, how many? I was like, oh, I, this is my, I just applied <laughs> once. I mean, you know, and honestly, Parsons was the tough, it was so tough. It was tough. It was a tough program. So I studied fashion design. Um, so I did drawing and pattern making and sewing and Stuff that I had never done. There were people in my classes that were like really good sewers, really good illustrators, just amazing designers of all kinds, shoe design, accessories. And I just, it was for me a childhood dream that I was living. And so I did not care at all about my grades. I'll just say that. <laughs> and I kind of sucked. Like I wasn't that good of a designer. However, I had a good time uh -huh. uh, learning. I had a good time making friends. And um, I, I ended up getting a job as a fashion designer, as a technical fashion designer. So a technical fashion designer will focus on the fit of a garment and more of the pattern making. Right. And so I did that for two years um, after, because I, I ended up dropping out of Parsons. And I just hope you know, I'm going to put this out there in the universe that one day they're going to give me an honorary degree. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. 
<laughs> cool. And do, as you do, is that like something you learn about like with grade grading? I think that's what it's called when you size things up. Is that part of it yep. too? So, yep, there's marking and grading. So um, we had a base size of size eight. Um, mm -hmm. And so you would, you would go down or you would go up. Um, okay. So you could go down to like a size zero and you could uh, go up to a size 16. We also had, because we had fit models that were size eight. We had a fit model that was a size uh, 18 because um, mm -hmm. we would we would you know uh, grade up to to size 24 and yeah. so yeah it was a it was interesting but there were people that that was their job right Fit for me model. my job was more so like taking measurements adjusting patterns and then sending that information to the factories and doing gotcha. fittings right so fitting fitting the garments Wow. So it's like that segmented. I didn't realize it was that segmented, but, but that's what always threw me off about Project Runway. Like once I started to get into the design industry for real, I was like, they can't really be expected to construct design, do all of that stuff in one night or whatever the case may be. Is that what they really do in school? Uh, yeah. I mean, it is, it is like... <laughs> I, so I remember, what? I remember, I mean, you can't do it in one night, but I remember I had to make a pair of pants for myself. Yeah. And I have a big butt. Like, I, I, like normal <laughs> pants don't fit me. And, yeah. and so I was, I had to recreate my pattern like 13 times. My, my, my teacher... <laughs> My instructor for, for my pattern making class would come over and look at my pattern and look at me. And she knew, like she knew by, just by looking. And she looked at my pattern and she would, she would say, <laughs> such a nice girl, such a nice girl. And I was like, oh, oh, I'm going to have to change this again. Like you need to add, add, you know, three quarters of an inch, add a quarter of an inch, add, you know, here, like I, I had to keep... A lot of times with pants, the like if you have a bigger butt, the the back, the reason why people's pants um, will be low and you could see their crack <laughs> is because the back rise is short, right? Uh. So you have a front rise and you have a back rise. And if the back rise is short, um, sometimes the front will pull. And so uh, for me, I had to make a really long uh, back rise in order for uh, it to fit properly. Um, eventually, you know, 13th time was a charm and I, <laughs> figured I, it got, <laughs> I got those pants made. Cool. So one thing you, you said, you did a Medium um, article and you, you wrote about approaching UX design with a fashion designer's eye. Yeah. What does that mean? So I, early in my UX career, I was encouraged to write. Uh, and I just wrote <laughs> whatever yeah. random thoughts were going on or, and I said, Oh, I'm going to write about approaching UX with a fashion de designer's eye and really thinking about the process of fashion design, where you start with an idea or a mood board. Um, and then you start sketching out your ideas and then you'll think about the fabrics you want. You will potentially have make something in uh, muslin, which is like a, um, like a cotton, with no dye in it, um, okay. you will 
then, um, you know, make the garment and then fit the garment uh, to see if it works. And, and what you'll do in UX is you'll come up with some idea or somebody will tell you about an idea. You will sketch it out. Um, you will build the prototype of some sort. Uh, and then you will test that prototype. And so there were a lot of similarities that I saw in parallels with the process between UX and uh, fashion. Wow. Interesting. I, so I, I have another world where I live in. I, I work in information management. So I'm trained as a graphic designer, but I also do information management. So I kind of did the similar thing where it's all some kind of a, des- at the end of the day, it's all design. It's, yeah. It, you know, uh, visual or not, it's still design. And that was something that struck me too, actually, when I was doing the, the information management degree is a lot of people in that program use the word design a lot. And me being a trained designer, I automatically go to visual stuff. And I just was like, wow, they keep saying designed. I designed, I designed, I designed. And they haven't mentioned anything related to aesthetics yet. (laughs) And it just, it flipped my brain uh, upside down a bit. So now I kind of, I, I, I'm very, I'm I'm a lot more open to what design is uh, these days. Yeah. I mean, I, when I, I was doing UX design before I knew I was doing UX design when I was um, doing business analysts and project management work and working on building software systems, you know, we would, we were building out a mock-up in Excel, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, having people test it, uh, asking people questions, right? These are all things that you do as part of user experience. So yeah. the truth is, you know, you know, on, on paper, I've been doing UX for seven, eight years, but the reality is that I have been doing it far longer than that. Mm-hmm. Right, true. So we kind of skipped a step. Um, like, how did you actually end up in this industry instead of fashion? Is it just you yeah. realize? <laughs> yeah, so I was working as a, a technical fashion designer, um, yeah. which I did for two years. And I really, really disliked my boss. Uh-huh. And one of my friends worked on the IT uh, training team and said, you know, I know I know you don't like your job. We have an opening. I don't think you mm-hmm. should leave this company, but, you know, apply for the job if you get it. You know, if you don't mm-hmm. keep, you know, start looking. So I said, well, I don't I don't do IT. He's like, but you're really good on the system. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So I ended up interviewing to become an IT trainer and I switched I switched teams. I, I was still with the same company. I was still with the Jones Group. And I I switched teams to, um, you know, work in the IT department. And after six months, I, I moved up to being a business analyst. Um, and then I went back mm-hmm. to school. I went to NYU's uh, School of Professional Studies to study project management where I got a a certificate in project management, and then I became a certified project manager, which I still maintain to this day because it was a four-hour exam that I will never take again, but I am proud (laughs) to say that I am a certified uh, project management professional, a certified PMP. Nice, nice. Do you do that, like, black belt, Six Sigma, and all that stuff? I'm not a Six Sigma, but I am also a certified Scrum Master. (laughs) 
<laughs> ah, okay. The language in that profession is so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole like that's my whole other past life world. But yeah, I managed some pretty big projects in my past life. So I um it's just not part of my world now and and it's funny because yeah. when, pe- when people talk to me or the way they talk to me I'm like you have no idea who you're talking to or I know I right talk- yeah like you have no idea and that's actually that's kind of one thing that I I love about my little diversion into information management is like sometimes people just see oh you're just a flaky artist or whatever and they don't understand that I, my brain is working on so many different levels right now when you're trying to play me yeah. yeah no it's true like you you never know who you're talking to what experience they have and at this point in my life I've had different careers that I'm yeah. all very proud of because everything builds on they top all of help mm-hmm. yep yeah yeah and same as like you know my art background has helped me in other ways in business and other just it's it's nice it's nice to to, to kind of bring those different things together um, so one thing that's, uh, interesting too, is something you said on Twitter the other day, uh, you said that, um, something about, uh, aspirationalism, forced aspirationalism. Yes. What's, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so I think that, you know, we live in this world where there are a lot of have and have nots. Mm -hmm. And if you just watch television for an hour, you will see that you can get cars for X, Y, Z amount. You Mm -hmm. can feel better if you take these medications or you can look good if you do these things like There's a constant marketing to us to aspire to be something other than who we are. Mm -hmm. Fashion skills like that. Right? There isn't a forcing of just love and accept yourself as you are and and unlearn and uh, learn and relearn and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, enjoy life. There isn't any of that. There's a, a constant forcing of you're not enough. You don't have enough, you know, you don't make enough mm-hmm. and you need to aspire to be the next, um, whoever is the, the king or queen of hustling. Right. Right. And so that is, that is constantly through media, um, put on us to aspire to be something other than who we are. And I'm a huge Mr. Rogers fan huge okay I didn't realize that I didn't realize it until a few years ago that I have a massive collection of cardigans <laughs> I didn't I, uh, I, years, I was like oh you <laughs> yeah I almost like when I see photos I was like yep you're in a cardigan that is so funny. And I didn't realize it, the impact Mr. Rogers had on my fashion sense. That That's wow. what I should write about next, Mr. Rogers and my fashion sense. But I think that there's a lot of lot force on us, especially now. I mean, I, I grew up in a time where we did not have cell phones. Um, 
and didn't have this constant beratement of social media of like, Mm -hmm. there are people who, you know, there have been times in my life where I'm like, I need a break from Instagram. I'm feeling bad about myself because I'm not doing X, Y, Z things. Yeah. Why though? You know, and, and that's the thing we don't get into. Like what, who, who's making, who's really, who's puppeting like all of this stuff and, and we don't we don't even question because we're not taught. And I, I don't care if you're in Canada or the United States or anywhere in the world, we're not taught to question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? We're taught to follow. And so with that, um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of forced aspiration as to who we should be versus accepting who we are. And understanding yeah. who we are. Right. Right. And, um, yeah, conforming to these standards, how do you, so this is might be getting a little deep. If, if we don't necessarily aspire, like how other than Mr. Rogers, like how, how do you get influences, but, or influenced or inspired in a healthy way versus like this unrealistic thing that we're all sort of caught in? Yeah, I mean, I I think really getting to understand yourself and then understanding the systems that surround you, right? Mm. We live in a world of systems that are by design. And you know, there you know, there are all these stories of people who make it out of yeah. whatever circumstance and then it's like but all these other people don't. Yeah, and are they less than because they're still in the the situation? That's a good question. Right. Right. That's a question for all of us. Right. We we are our own individuals on our own paths. But yet we are part of this fabric of humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think what we we fail to recognize is the humanity in our in ourself. Yeah. You know, but I'm how am I going to ask somebody who is in in a in a dire straits to go look at your humanity right Mm -hmm. when somebody's just trying to make it through the day somebody's trying to feed their children somebody's trying to figure out how they're going to survive yeah when people are doing that you can't ask them to reflect Mm -hmm. right that's not a, a condition that they're they're even that's not even a mindset they're even able to do so I, 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 I highly, highly believe in, in knowing yourself. I mean, I've been trying to get to understand myself and it is not pretty sometimes where I'm like, mm-hmm. it's not me though. It's, it's the conditioning that I was brought up with. Right. But that takes work. That takes, that takes time. That takes effort. That takes, that takes, you know, something that a lot of people don't have the space for, mm-hmm. nor does their environment uh, support it. So I don't have the answer because the answer is truly individual for the person. Yeah. Yeah. You actually said something else that's on that line where you said the most unpopular thing for people to do is self-reflect. So I was was talking to myself there. (laughs) (laughs) Oftentimes when I, if I tweet something, I was like, uh, that was to me. You know what though? That's I, I that's that's my reminder. <laughs> I'll tweet something and then people will be like, Yeah, people who do that are trash. And I'm like, Yeah, I was talking about myself. Right. 
Yeah, I was talking about myself. I was talking about myself there. Because I was Thanks like, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so um, what um, what kind of challenges do you find? Like, are you still working in, in user experience and accessibility while you teach? Or, or is that kind of on so, no, I mean, I my part of my job is is doing that. So, like I said er, earlier, I I'm working on a project with Arista Labs. Um, yeah, that's right. And so we, so I'm actually doing design. So I, mm-hmm. this summer, um, I've been doing a lot of research. So, with my grad assistant, uh, working on uh, the information architecture, so site mapping, um, feature prioritization. Um, doing competitive, like extensive competitive analysis with heuristic, uh, heuristics involved. Mm-hmm. And um, then we're going to be doing interviews um, in the coming weeks and uh, surveys, and then doing the designs based on the feedback that we get um, from those interviews. And then working with subject matter experts in accessibility, um, besides myself, uh, there there's a group we're working with, and then also working with a group of um, uh, blind and low vision folks. So we're it's like a it's a it's a five year pro it's a very big project, a long project, and and the project itself is. Um, it's really cool. It's people, citizen scientists will be recording uh, sounds during the eclipse yeah. uh, that are happening in the coming years. And so they're going to be sent these, these kits and the kits will, um, will record. So I'll give an example during, uh, before an eclipse uh, there, you won't really hear, let's say you're out in nature, you won't really hear much, but during the eclipse, you'll hear crickets. And then when the eclipse is over, you don't hear the crickets, right? And an eclipse isn't that long. So that's just an example of something that happens uh, in nature. People also talk about how it'll get cold all of a sudden during an eclipse, right? So there's um, other things that happen. But a big part of this project is that people are going to be sent these recorders the recorders will be sent back, the audio will be uploaded, and it'll be available um, on this site uh, that my students and I are, are helping design. And then in addition to the sound being there, the the data from the sound will be available. So scientists who focus on audio and, and others can access this data. And then there, there's going to be another piece to the site, which will be lessons about um, what happens during the eclipse and, and such. So I, I am getting to design, which is cool. So I'm not just teaching. Um, right. And then another uh, project that I'm working on is looking at virtual reality um, and augmented reality, but mostly virtual reality this summer with my other grad assistant and looking at design patterns. And specifically, I've been looking at inclusion and accessibility. So my my grad assistant has been i said i gave a set of questions he's been answering them and going through different titles in vr and and kind of breaking things down and so um that is going to inform 
my next book, which I am co-authoring with uh, Doug Northcook out of Chatham University in Pittsburgh. And we're looking at the human side of spatial computing. So for those who are not familiar with spatial computing, spatial computing is covers uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, um, artificial intelligence. And so we're, we're looking at the human side of spatial computing, more from a, a human computer interaction perspective, storytelling, ethics, privacy, uh, senses, wow. body, um, the brain, you know, neuro, neuroscience. So it's been um, good uh, to kind of start that. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm, I'm kind of wanting to, um, and I'll see if I do this in the next week, apply to see if I can try to, and I'm not a programmer at all, but to um, make an accessible game experience. Cool. Cool. That's, that's, that's amazing. Um, you will, like one thing that always kind of boggles my mind a little bit, well, not boggles my mind, but I'm, I'm curious. I, was at one point trying to get into the user experience side of things, uh, but I'm a graphic designer by trade. That's where I'm trained. How do you feel that, um, or is it possible for people who are more on the visual side to get into this industry and and um, design at this level for <laughs> accessibility and everything else? A hundred percent, yes. Um, if you, a lot of, so when I, when I got into UX, um, I think it was a lot more siloed, um, in terms of, okay, you do UX, you're, you're doing like the wireframes and that's yeah. what you do. And then you, like when I first started, I was, I was doing the wireframes and then someone else was doing the visual design. And what the way that the industry shifted that I've seen is that people do both, right? They do the visual design and they do the, like the interaction design and, and understanding why something is happening. I think that um, there is an immense amount of work. I mean, like this is not, this work isn't stopping. I don't think that we're, I mean, we haven't even, we're in the 21st century and there's so many things we just haven't figured out, right? Uh, so I don't think that there's going to be a shortage of these positions. I do encourage and I am encouraging folks to get more into 3D. I mm. think that there is um, a lot of there is going to be a lot more opportunity in those areas when it comes to augmented reality and uh, virtual reality. I feel more in the augmented reality space that we're going to be seeing a huge boom within the next 10 years. And so... Um, I, I do, you know, I have, I have a really good friend who is a, 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 a graphic designer for 16 years and wanted to get into UX and was like, I don't, I'm just a beginner in UX. But I was like, you're not, you know, anybody who's been working, even for me, I wasn't, I didn't have the title of UX designer, but I was a business analyst. I was a project manager. I was doing all the things that you do in UX for many years before I ever got into UX. Yeah. Do not ever discredit what you've done before. You can always build on it. It is, it yeah, does yeah. nothing but enhance you as whatever it is you want to do in the future. Yeah, I, I agree. And I just wish that more employers or more people in leadership were that intelligent because one of the things that I did 
remember when I was trying to get into that industry was I didn't have as much digital experience, but I worked in magazines and I designed a lot of books. So I would use those as examples of how I considered, you know, how it's held in your hand, the size of the font, this and um, how I was considering this is the audience for this magazine, this is the audience for that. So I made the font this size for that one and this and I all those kind of things like they all fit into the like the bigger picture of transferable skills for for things but anyway i i hope that the, the industry in the world has evolved a little bit more since then <laughs> yeah i mean i i think you know and i've been told that too in the past um previous to me taking this position as a professor i was interviewing for director of design roles and they'd say oh well you've only managed small teams right. I said, but i've <laughs> I've managed small teams, but I've also, you know, I've, I've been teaching since 2015. So I said, I've managed small teams, but I've also managed large classrooms. And, mm-hmm. you know, my, I think every single teacher is a, is a manager. Yep. Some are good managers, some are bad managers. Yep. I mean, that's the truth, but every single teacher is a manager and that should not be discredited. If someone can, can hold either children's or adults attention and teach them that is that is a skill and it is not to be discredited so i i i feel you on on that that part like i i think that i hope that people will have more of an open mind especially for those who decide to change careers you know and it's it's a, it's completely different but i i do feel things build off of each other i don't i don't think that anyone should start at the bottom, especially if they've been doing design for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, um, Regine, Regine, <laughs> uh, thank you for doing our pays me. Um, this has been great. I, like I, I said before we, we logged on that, uh, we started recording that I've been a fan of you. I found out about you through revision path and, um, yeah, it's also dope that you're in the, uh, Smithsonian, uh, oh, through yes. that uh, Black Panther episode, which I loved. Uh, yeah, so real, I mean, I know we're going to wrap up real quick. I, yeah. first of all, first and foremost, big thank you to Maurice Cherry, who I don't know where I would be without him in my life, to be honest. Like, I, I really adore Maurice. Like, uh, uh, such a great, great person and has opened so many doors for so many. But yeah, he sent me a message saying, Hey, do you want to be part of this Black Panther episode? I had just watched the movie and I said, sure. Not knowing that years later, this <laughs> this episode would be acquired by the Smithsonian for their permanent collection. And now I get to say that I'm in the Smithsonian. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty awesome. So, yeah, yeah, really, really cool. But I, I, I am a huge fan of yours. Um, your Instagram is just, every time I see your work, um, it is, yeah, it's like a, a, when you hear a beautiful voice singing and you say, I wish I could sing like that. When I see your art, I say, what beautiful work. And I wish I could create things like that. Oh, and thank I'm you. So, so glad that you put it out there in the world. Ah. Uh means a lot because you know i'd be feeling like i'm trash a lot of times no so thank you <laughs> whoa yeah you know watch how you talk to yourself i know yeah. don't do it right yeah don't do it yeah sheesh don't do it <laughs> uh 
Where can, uh, so where can people find you online? So I am pretty active on Twitter, uh, at R-E-G underscore N-E-E. And uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, for my Instagram, I tend not to let, you know, if I know you, that's more so my Instagram. But sure. definitely Twitter and LinkedIn, I'm happy to connect. And, and if people want to reach out, you can go to my website, regenegilbert.com. All right. Sweet. Thanks again for doing Art Pays Me. And uh, yeah, talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Art Pays Me. Thank you to Langey Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at artpaysme on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace.